He has his own podcast. What is it, y'all? Get my shit together. Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Tuesday, October 10, 2023. I hope your week is off to a great start. I appreciate you listening to the podcast, supporting it, sending your questions, comments, feedback to yesjoesmith at gmail.com or simply messaging me on Instagram at yesjoesmith. If you want a podcast coaster or three that says, I am embarrassed to say I listen to the Getting My Act Together podcast. Let me know and I will send you a few on my own dime. Okay? This type of guy I am. Welcome to Getting My Act Together podcast. The voice you hear right at the beginning of the podcast, in case you did not know, is of the legendary Atlanta drag comedy performer Brent Starr, who was kind enough to sit down and record that introduction that signaled that he clearly understood what the name of my podcast was and what the goal of it also was. And you know what? He's right. It should be called Getting My Shit Together because that was the genesis of the podcast. Hope your week is off to a great start. I uh, was reflecting on last time we spoke on Friday and realized I probably was pretty complimentary of the Jewish people and their apparent lack of proselytization, lack of trying to convince me of the rights of their ways. Of course, I am not in Gaza, so I have a different perspective. And all I want to say about the situation that is rapidly uh, accelerating over there is I'm glad that I am not, that I'm only going to be doing my selected open mic comedy tonight and this week. And so this is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm in the gym. I'm working this new material. I'm fond of this new material. I'm getting it in the gym. What I'm glad that I am not, uh, and this certainly pales in comparison to what people are experiencing in the Middle East, in particular right now in Gaza and in Israel, is that I'm not hosting a mic, an open mic where for two hours I get to hear hot takes on what's happening over there. Because comics, we excel at hot takes. And uh, you know where I stand politically. I don't like to see anybody get killed. That's how I feel. And, and that's all I'm going to say about that. I did, though. It's 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 uh, interesting. Last week I mentioned there was a war on gay people, and this week there's another war that has broken out in the uh, in the world. And uh, I, all I can say is I hope that it's over soon. I hope that it's over soon. The war on gay people and drag performers such as Brent Starr saddens me, and I uh, also was encouraging you, you know, to. Some random weekday, if you ever find yourself in Hillcrest, to stop by Moe's, the bar that formerly was the artist, the bar formerly known as Hamburger Mary's, because it does look like, it does look like, you know, a pretty fun afternoon. (laughs) Hillcrest, I might have said, is the gay mecca of San Diego, and once I said that on the podcast... Uh, it sort of was an expression that was rolling around in my head, gay mecca. And it got me thinking throughout the week, what if there were really a gay mecca? You know what I mean? Not like Hillcrest or West Hollywood, but like a gay mecca. 
gay men. Like, what if Mecca were gay? Sweet. <laughs> Muhammad. You know, like like that. Think that would go over well if I if I work that into a bit? A gay gay Mecca? Muhammad, I'm coming into your cave. I think that the people in charge of Mecca, Muslims, uh, would, you know, I know lots of Muslim people who have terrific senses of humor, and I imagine that would extend to me doing any material that uh, probably referred to as, referred to the Prophet Muhammad as a gay. Be pretty interesting, though, if, you know, like, oh, I got a fatwa, you know, it's pretty cheesy and also probably something I might try as a little bit just to see, just to see. That's what we do in the show. Sometimes we just throw it out there and, and see if we can get it into my act. You know, Hillcrest, people describe as a gay Mecca, but wouldn't that be interesting if there were a, a gay Mecca? A different turn of a gay Mecca. And it's like, oh my God, this is, this is, look at all these brown people here. This is going to be incredible. Everyone is bronzed up in the sun. And you'd be like, no, I think you should totally do that. I think people would be very, very receptive of that line. It's not Islamophobic. It's not homophobic, right? Well, then why are you saying it? Well, just because I know that people, and I don't care. I don't care how people perceive it. But I did think it'd be pretty interesting if there were a, be like, oh, fuck, I had no idea. I totally, and you're, imagine you're a Muslim who goes to Mecca thinking you're making the Hajj or the, the pilgrim. Is that what you say? The Hajj, the pilgrimage to the most holy place, Medina and Mecca. And, but you're like, you're a, you're a Muslim and you're about it and you get there and you're like, oh, I totally, this is, this is gay Mecca. I, I totally thought, it was going to be something else. Like, this is not, this is more than I wanted. <laughs> These guys are aggressive. <laughs> this is like Hillcrest. <laughs> this reminds me of Moe's. The pilgrimage from Medina to Moe's. And then we have a big black box. And everybody's like, oh, that box gets gross. Get it out of here. We don't want any box. I don't know. My heart. You know what that. that you know what that sounds like. I'm, I'm fucking around. Obviously, it sounds a little like edge lordy material. And and maybe it is. I don't. You know. I have a, a touch of a provocateur bit uh, in me, as you should as a comic. I think. But it sounds a little edge lordy at the same time. You know, in a comedy club, it might just be something that people would want to hear. It's a game. <laughs> the one dude who's like, dude, I had no idea. I came here to pray. I want to and pay my respects. Anyway. There were there were a couple other things that I wanted to talk about today. Uh, irregardless. By the way, let me know what grammatical errors and miscues, malapropisms... If you grew up with English as a second language that maybe your relatives use when they combine English and whatever your native language is, that uh, we might be able to discuss on the podcast and find amusing. I remember, uh, very coincidentally, I remember the time Michael Jackson was, uh, you know, in the conversation a few years ago we were having in this country a little bit, in this country, I mean the United States of America, about 
how much of a canceled artist work do you support? Can you respect the art but not the artist? And so and so, me too to everybody, but wrote some you know good music or was a pedo and wrote some good songs. You know, remember we have we've had these conversations in the zeitgeist in the United States of America. These are problematic behaviors, problematic, awful behaviors by uh, awful, awful acts by people whose works we have historically, oops, let's drop something, whose works we have traditionally loved and supported. And what do you do when you find out they have these horrible things? Can you still support them? And, you know, Michael Jackson was held up as an example of that. And for a while, I felt like people turned down the Michael Jackson. But I hear, I hear Michael everywhere now, and that's why I remember the time. The point of which is, I probably didn't think a whole lot about, you know, what do I have? I have a lot of David Bowie records. People have objected to David Bowie doing this, that, and the other across time. I'm trying to think. I... I watch Louie still um, trying to think of like people who ostensibly got canceled. I never listened to R. Kelly that much. I never listened to, I think Tupac was convicted of rape, but I never listened to Tupac, so it didn't really apply. Trying to say that I don't think my entertainment or artistic intake was affected too much by people being canceled. Well, because you're an old, straight, white man who's out of touch. Yeah, fuck you, bro. What are you, ugly? That may be true, but also, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, nobody was... What do I listen to? I listen to Taj Mahal. I listen to Against Me. I listen to... Feel Good Friday and Monday Motivation... And I don't recall at any time people saying, hey, this is very, very problematic. Told you. Against me? That's not problematic. That's the opposite of problematic. That's like, you know, walking the walk. Anyway, it never really seemed to uh, cross my... I never had an opportunity to sit down with a work of art and think, shit, this person did some pretty rough stuff. Um, awful things and caused tremendous injury to people. Should I engage, should that affect, should I be engaging this material, this art, this work, whatever it is? Never really had to do that. or never really, to my knowledge, uh, faced that proposition. But I told you my, what my wife, my daughter and I every night walk the dogs, one of whom is right outside the door clicking his handsome, very handsome claws, dude, you don't question, on the hardwood floor. We have a poet tree. I told you about that Maya Angelou quote. We also have a uh, a book nook, which is one of those sort of neighborhood libraries where you take a book, drop a book, take a book, drop a book. And my daughter likes the score to be two takes to one give, and I so I end up kind of balancing it out by giving books of mine. But the other day I took a book by... The Native American writer Sherman Alexie, who I've known about probably for 25, 30 years, but I don't think I've ever read. 
And this is a massive book of short stories. And you know I'm reading these days. I read The Getaway by Jim Thompson, and I read the Sharapova biography, memoir, 31 or whatever. But I picked up the Sherman Alexi book because I had not read a lot of the contemporary, contem contemporary Native American perspective walking around the United States of America, particularly Seattle, Washington. I didn't know a lot about that, and I say contemporary as if I'm steeped in the Native American literature you know, of the last 100 years. I am not. But I, I'm always trying to, you know, I'm curious. I'm curious, trying to stay curious, like Elsa in uh, whatever that show is, Frozen. I'm trying to stay curious. So I got this book by Sherman Alexie, a big, massive tome of short stories. And I read one of the stories, and I was really pulled into it. It was also kind of like all quotes. Like it was like a conversation almost, which was a little, uh, I had, it took me a minute to adjust. I'm used to, you know, reading like paragraphs and this was sentence and then sentence by someone else and sentence by someone else. And then, so I went to the store and met two other people, sentence, sentence, sentence. In sentence, I mean conversation. Anyway, the story was really good. It pulled me in. Sherman Alexie, A-L-X-I-E. But then, as you do, like, oh, damn, Sherman, you know, the book says he's been in the game for a long time. And then I was like, oh, yeah, let me Google him real quickly. Maybe that's the moral of the story. Don't Google people that you like. And I know that's just ignorance. I, I Google everybody if I like them. And he got, I like also, I'm jokingly, of course, he got me too'd. Um, we use that expression, oh, the guy got me too'd. The guy did the action, okay? Nothing happened to him. I mean, there was a consequence for his actions, whoever that guy is, and I'm not holding myself out to be better than any other guy out there. Uh, I'm just saying Sherman Alexie caused, uh, he, he was wildly inappropriate with more than one person, and I think he even copped to it and said, I've caused tremendous pain. What has been said is true, and that was just sort of how it went. Like, and that was it. That was the end. I don't know what's become in sort of the, my first thing was selfish rather than continuing on. I wonder where he is now. Is he writer in residence at some, uh, some commune? I don't know what's going on with this guy. But because I say selfishly, all of a sudden my focus was on, wow, I have a lot more stories by this guy in this book that I want to read, but he did these horrible, horrible things to women, okay, you can, of a sexual nature, and I, I, it just changes it. It's not like I, I read, you know, it's not like, I don't know, pick somebody's work who you were long familiar with, and then like, oh my gosh, he was a pedo, like Michael Jackson, I guess. It wasn't like Michael Jackson, who I was listening to as a kid and had a long historical relationship, and then, and then, heard all these horrific things that he did to children, and was like, "Oh, damn! Now, how does that mean? For, what does that mean? I've already listened to his music; it's already in my brain and my context." Sherman Alexie, that never happened for me. I read one story, then I found out he got me tooed, not just like you know slapping towels on somebody's ass. It was it was sounded pretty uh, significant, to say the least. And I said to my wife, I was like, this changes it. She's like, I know. It's, 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 uh, 
and now that I haven't, it'd be like, I the reason I bring up the Michael Jackson thing is where I am with Sherman Alexi to compare that to Michael Jackson. Imagine you'd never heard Michael Jackson, but you'd heard all about his personal life and the out-of-court settlements and the documentaries and the substantiated allegations and, and all those things. And then you said, all right, well, I'm going to jump into the Michael Jackson catalog. That's which would be, be like, okay, bro, enjoy yourself. Remember the time. That's where I am with Sherman Alexi. Is like, I know this and I haven't embraced the work. And I like that. You know, I wasn't like the, I was like, I enjoyed the story I wrote. I wrote, I wrote, I, I finished my short story, by the way. Um, which I wrote, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, finished it. But I enjoyed the story that Sherman Alexi wrote enough where I was like, I can't, I'm looking forward to reading some more when I come home tonight. But because I have this knowledge, I have decided that I cannot, that it's, it's supporting it. It's supporting Sherman Alexi when I feel like I shouldn't. So I'm going to, tonight, when we take the walk before dinner, I'm going to take this big book called Hollering or Hear Me Holler or something like that. I, I don't know the title of it. Well, why don't you do some more PR for him? If he's so me too. Just telling you how I feel about it. Um, that, you know, now that I'm at the top of the engagement with him, it would be just... Uh, kind of silly I think not silly it just doesn't make it, it, it's, it's wrong for me what you do is what you do it would be wrong for me to read 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 it it just I just feel I just feel worse about it um so I'm not gonna do it I'd feel worse I would just feel like it, I feel like it's kind of like supporting the guy and I'm not trying to you know throw the guy into the grave just like I said I don't want to see anybody die in Israel or Palestine. I really don't. By the way, uh, what did we say last time? What is? What else is the fucking problem? It's religion. That's what's causing that over there. That's all. That's what that is. It's religion. That is the genesis. That is the, the genesis of that conversation. Conversation. Um, I'm not, I'm, anyway, I'm not supporting Sherman Alexie. I can't, I can't read the book, so I'm going to take it back when I go down there tonight. I also found out that the guy from Smash Mouth I told you about who passed away. I told you about, you know Smash Mouth. He passed away. And I was so excited when I was talking about it on a few weeks ago that I was so excited that he, even though he passed at a relatively young age, I don't think he was 58 and I know if you're 26, like, dude, that's a million. That's so old. It's really not. <laughs> For someone like me. I was like, obviously, I was hyped on the fact that this guy, by doing most of what he, what made him feel like, by doing what made him feel most like himself all the time, did he bring such singular joy to the world in that moment of that song, Hey Now. You have to be a hard-hearted, insecure, cynical asshole, as I've been 
numerous times in my life, though I am not now, to not enjoy that song. It's like you remember the early days of the podcast, Do You Like Water? And can you enjoy or at least endorse someone shaking their ass to Hey Ya? Or are you going to cross your arms and shake your head when Hey Ya comes on? If that is the case, and same with Hey Now, get your game on, go play. Hey Now, you don't know. It's, it's almost, it's not Hey Ya, I'm not saying Smash Mouth. That should get me canceled. Oh, dude, I listened to his podcast. It was pretty good. Usually I get something out of it, but uh, honestly, he called... He said Outcast. He said Smash Mouth was as good as Outcast. He put them in the same league. We will be studying Outcast for thousands of years. I said it. Thousands of years. If the planet is still here. If we are still here. I'm not saying Smash Mouth is Outcast. Outcast. Can you believe it? How great that band is. How great that group is. Anyway. I was so excited that the Smash Mouth guy, Steve Harwell, that's right, that's his name, right? That his his contribution, the joy he brought so many people, and still does when that song goes on, simply by doing him. He was doing himself. I didn't I didn't know the guy, obviously. And I was like, I'm sure he wrote the song. I was very I wasn't confident he wrote the song, but I didn't think it mattered. Well, later on, I also looked up. He didn't write the song, uh, but it doesn't matter. He was the messenger. He was the vehicle, the conduit for the joy, for the for the guitar player's checkbook, <laughs> for the guitar player's wallet. The guitar player wrote that song, and it flowed through that guy we all associated. I you can't tell me anything about the guitar player from Smash Mouth, other than he has more money than you. And he's probably pretty fun to hang out with. All you know when you think of that song is you think of that guy. And you hear him, that rasp of his voice, Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now. That's what you associate with 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 that guy. So he was the messenger for that joy and self-promote, not self-promoting, self, self-belief, uh, self, self-inspiration. Self he was, he was, he was pumping himself up. He was pumping you up. And that guy, even though the guitar player wrote the song, that guy, Steve Harwell, was the vehicle for that. And that's still cool. It's still awesome, even if he didn't write the song. Okay, well, guess what? I'm back after a several-hour break in the recording. I just got back from an open mic. I went to an open mic on Monday night. The same one I went to last week in Barrio Logan was 10 times better tonight. It was and simply because the sound was fixed. It, it was... I walked in, it sounded like the Fox Theater in Atlanta. It was phenomenal. I mean, there was nobody there, and the comedy was awful. But you could hear yourself, and it it filled up the whole room. And I'm two for two down there, Monday nights. I'm having a good time. I'm getting my act together. I did that gay Hillcrest thing, and it worked. The am oh, sorry, the gay Mecca. Hold on, let me fix this seat here. Yeah, I tried that gay, that 
gay mecca thing just kind of riffed around on it for a while and it worked how do you know it works when you're doing an open mic for about two four six civilians and they're in the back of the room and the sound is loud enough that if they laugh they're not going to be able to laugh over the sound you can see their teeth is what it is and and they were they were laughing it's not it's not hearing it it's do they laugh and do their facial expressions change dramatically at the big moments? So you're essentially processing your performance just with visual, just with visual cues. I mean, you'd have to really be leveling in a different way to have six people laugh above the sound system, which is why it's it's in junior comics, comics who have not been in the game as long, and I know comics, some comics listen to this podcast. Keep in mind, like this guy that went up earlier tonight before me, he's like, oh shit, that didn't work, that didn't work. I mean, maybe, maybe it didn't work, but maybe you should do it in front of a... The point is, don't give up just because six people in uh, you know, a dead room didn't fall all over themselves when they heard it for the first time. That's what I'm saying. So I'm two for two. Two Mondays in a row. So I have a Monday night spot. The Monday night spot is not Star Bar. It's not Laughing Skull Lounge. It's whatever this brewery is called uh, in Barrio Logan. And uh, yeah, it was really fun. And I'm back from it. I'm back with two things that, that I wanted to mention. I wanted to circle back on. One is, I don't want to give him further PR, but Sherman Alexie's book was not... Uh, about hollering at all. It was called Blas Blasphemy, uh, it, which is the collection of short stories that I was referring to. Um, but I, I did, I actually talked about it with my wife at dinner. The three of us, you know, we are a family. We have dinner and have for just about every single night of my daughter's life. And we have dinner at the same, we have dinner together. How about us? Two kids from divorced families come together to insist on the rigidity. <laughs> we have we have dinner every we have the we have dinner together every single night. And tonight at dinner, I was talking with my wife about uh, knowing, reading what I had read about Sherman Alexie before I actually dived into his canon of literature and how that that changed it. And I told her that on the walk, when the girl and I went out this evening, she, uh, we, we took the book back to the book nook. And my wife like nodded, like, yeah, I get it, you know. But then as I was talking with her about it, and I'd love to hear your perspective if you have one, I was thinking, well, now I'm not going to know anything about the modern Native American experience in the United States. Because he's sort of at the, what I understand to be at the vanguard, or one of the may, maybe not best, loudest, biggest, most prominent voices working that beat in American literature. And so I was like, oh, well, shit, I'm not going to now have exposure to that. But of course, and I'm not going to understand what it's like to be uh, a native who is in Seattle and what their experience is like. And my wife, as she always does, provided the wisdom, said, uh, well, you won't have his perspective. 
And what she's saying essentially is, why don't you go do some goddamn research and read all the other people that hopefully are getting published mining the same territory that Sherman Alexi is. Which I think also will be, maybe is in this moment and will ensue once we hopefully bleed out of this, uh, and we're going to bleed, don't worry, this authoritarian era. Maybe it won't. Maybe authoritarianism and artificial intelligence will just take everything over and limit any other reasonable consideration of a history and past and con and, and its impact on present day because you know 2020 and the national conversation that people said people meaning institutions said they wanted to have doesn't seem to really have come to pass uh, but I, I got the sense that on the heels of that uh, t moment in 2020 that there was uh, you know Native Americans were finally going to get their story told and uh, you know let's just be honest with what has happened here so hopefully there are lots of people out there mining that or, or writing about it about the native experience present day in a big city like Seattle um, and I should find myself those books. I should dig into, I should do the research on who else is writing about the modern native experience. Now, my wife pointed out, like, you're just because you're not, yeah, just because you're not going to read his book doesn't mean you don't, you can't find uh, alternate yet similar or shared perspectives. Does that make sense? And I was like, yeah, of course uh, I, I should do that. That's great. That's a great reminder, and that's why you're my better half. And behind every average man is a much better woman. It's not not false modesty either, by the way. It's just that I had the Sherman Alexi book blasphemy in my hands, and now I have to go find. Is that so much to ask? Anyway, it's a good it's a good point on her part. At the same time, if the person is the master or at least the most prominent voice. Well, the problem has presented itself, dude. Go get some other, go get some other native literature and, and see what happens, and see what you learn. Not see what happens, Jesus. Um. So that's just what I wanted to circle back on. Edge lords tonight. I didn't see a lot of them. I didn't see. I saw. You know why? Because I only saw like one white comic. I saw, two or three brown ones and. Maybe one or two black guys. I know. In San Diego. It's amazing. But one of the brown guys, I think he might have been Indian. I thought he was going to use the N-word. And I said it to the guy next to me. I'm like, I think he's going to say it. And the guy's like, oh, I don't know. He was so close. It felt like he wanted to. Because apparently, I don't know. Apparently, you know, Justin Trudeau is <laughs> waging a war against India and Modi. Uh, over a terrorist whose name might be spelled N-I-J-J, something like that. And this guy was really like, can you imagine if he came out and said that? And I was like, fuck, dude, don't say it. Please don't say it. And he didn't say it, to his credit. But I was, I was, I was, I uh, wasn't worried, but I, I had money on the fact that he was going to say it. I'm, I'm chuffed. That uh, there were people there that were working on jokes. Everybody was 
critiquing their performance as they were doing it. And that's okay. That's I mean, that's bombing. That's how it goes. You talk about it when it's happening. But everybody was working on material, which was nice. Last week, it was jank. And like I said, that one guy was like, white guys suck dick, white guys, whatever that song was that he was doing over and over. Tonight felt like a comedy scene. The sound is improved. People are working on, they're trying, everybody's trying to get their act together. I've seen now a couple people three to five times. I'm reminded, comics, that writing and writers, writing is rewriting. I think earlier in our comedy uh, journeys, some people just keep doing the same joke. Like I said, you're not going to get a great read of material performing it for three people who aren't paying attention. Also, if you find it not getting a reaction everywhere you go, not even a like hint that you might be onto something, rewrite it or at least, or throw it out. And I say that because very often I would I will see and have historically seen people doing the same joke over and over. They're without changing anything. And it doesn't work. <laughs> but they don't make any adjustments. You know? They do the same thing expecting a different result, and I think you know what that is. Speaking of adjustments, it's a, it's a tag in, an, in the new Shane Gillis comedy special on Netflix. I don't know the title of it, but it's hilarious. He is so funny and so good and so smart and maybe just instinctive, but if you... Don't take yourself too seriously. Watch Shane Gillis's new special. Um, I can't remember the title of it, but it's very funny. As is, um, we haven't finished it yet, but we will, which is probably going to drive her crazy. We have not finished Beth Stelling's new special, but she is very good. I mean, very very good. There is a laugh in almost every line, and I'm. That's maybe not my style as a, as a performer. I'm not fucking comparing myself to her at all. But both of these specials are comedy performed at a pretty strong level. Beth Stelling, she is a very funny storyteller. And Shane Gillis is just hilarious. And he, and this is what I'm, I'm taking away from it. I'm not going to steal it, but it's going. I'm going to make good note of it. He goes after some real sacred cows, some really, uh, he makes, he's not making a point, but he's, he's making a point. He goes after some big sacred cows, big fish that, you know, would get the party to stop immediately, except the way he goes about it is really, really smart and kind of unimpeachable. Which is what made me think of the special when, when I said adjustment, right? You have to adjust your material. Uh, Shane Gills uses the word adjustments in a tag, and if you watch the special, you'll know what I'm talking about. But that is just his first bit. It's just one example of how he touches on something that's a real divisive, if that's how you say that, divisive issue in this country. And he does it a few other times, but he does it in a way where 
regardless of what side you're on, you're probably not going to stick your fingers in your ears. And he doesn't really give you room to do that. Meaning, if, if you stick your fingers in your ears, you're just... Uh, it's not because, because you don't agree with it. You know, it's not, he doesn't set it up. That's the genius of it. He, puts the, he makes these points without giving you the opportunity to think, do I share this perspective or do I agree? Because he's just telling the truth and being funny, but the way he comes about it kind of it is just very, very smart. I, I don't want to say clever, but that sounds kind of goofy. It's, it's better than clever. Yeah, I mean, really, he, I mean, I'm, I've told you, you know where I stand politically. <clears throat> I'm sure there are lots of people opposite of me politically who like Shane Gillis as well. And he does such an amazing job of keeping the tent open. Let me restate that. He does such an incredible job taking a stand, stating a perspective, standing in it while leaving the tent open to everyone. You know what I mean? He's not playing, and, and this is something I've always tried to do, and it was just even, and it's a great example of how it's done at a very high level watching his special. Not trying to appeal, cater, pander to one side or the other. That's a trap. Because then you're just playing to people who are nodding their heads. And it's what, you know, they in comedy is called clapter. It's just people agreeing with you. And you know what it is? It's not funny, generally speaking. It's just, I mean, unless you want to, you know, you're someone super political like Mark Marin, who you share his political perspective or, you know, I don't know. Anyway, the point is Shane Gillis is my type of comic because he just makes fun of everything and tells the truth about it rather than thinking about you think this, I think that. He just tells the truth about it in a way that does not permit left nor right to put their fingers in the ears and in their ears and say, I'm not going to listen to this or um, acknowledge it, reality. Or even laugh at it because it challenges my worldview. And it's very impressive how he does that. And you can see it in the first bit. And you'll see it in the bit. Let's do like comedy. <laughs> Let's do reviewing other comic specials. I didn't mean to do that. But I'm, I can't underline enough how impressed I was by how he did this in the first bit he did. Maybe even the very first two jokes. But certainly in the first bit where he used adjustments as a tag and then later on in the special when he talked about the difference in, um, in the videos of how people were killed. And I'm just putting it out there that generically. So it's, it's like nowhere near stepping on anything he could possibly. I, I don't want to give anything away of, of what he does and, and how he does it. But if you watch that bit also, like the difference between how group A kills people and how group B kills people and their reactions to it. And think about what he just did in that moment. It's like, fuck. 
and he has everybody laughing. It's very, very impressive. And the reason for that, probably, I was thinking about it over the weekend, on Sunday, when I went for a six-mile run, because I am trying to live for this girl. The reason is, he knows exactly where he stands, and he knows exactly what he feels about shit, and he's comfortable enough in his own skin, and probably is... You know, seeing the the worst it can get, right? He got hired at SNL, and then he got unhired because of some something got, uh, you know, something from his past came. You know, some clip where people it was insensitive, I guess, doing Asian stereotypes. I don't exactly know. So I was like, okay, it was all taken away. So he's probably operating from a place of complete liberty, freedom, and zero fuckery. Zero fuckery to give. So I encourage you to. When you're done listening to this podcast, rating it on iTunes, emailing your your thoughts on on uh, whatever you have on your mind, but certainly any words or grammatical expressions that <laughs> chap your hide, uh, please go watch Shane Gillis's comedy special and Beth Stelling's special, uh, because I, I'm actually when I finish this tonight, I'm going to go upstairs and watch the rest of hers with my sleeping wife. And then, like you do, the next time uh, she and I are in bed late at night watching TV, she'll say, oh, we should finish that. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. We should. I didn't. And then rewind it exactly to where we left off. So you think that I didn't finish it with you. (laughs) Have a great week, and I'll talk to you on Friday.